So um, from Joshua 14 up until around Joshua 20, it is just the division of the land. Next week I will... I, was, I should have had it tonight, uh, but I'll, I'll give you a map. You can go online and look at the map of where this land was distributed to. Um, but it, in verse chapter 14, it says, These are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot. And so I want to uh, um, focus on that word lot for the very first part of our our talk tonight. Um, so what does that mean, that they were by lot? And it, it, it's kind of a, a, a random... You know, there, there's a great verse in Proverbs about the lot falls into the, to the lap, but God directs it so casting of lots is is the um, biblical way to find God's will you acknowledge him in all your ways and he directs it um, so um, but it reminded me of someone asking you about your lot in life you know and when you look at this idea of lot is they are going to end up in different areas of Israel, and that's their place, that's their priority, that's where they're going to be. And it's the same for us. You know, if you go back and think about some things that appeared to be random in your life and how different they would have been if, for example, for, for Liz and I, we, she's in Michigan and she gets with a family that all of a sudden is going to California and this family just happens to end up at the very apartment complex that I live in and the week that I'm off of school because I've had my tonsils out and she's not starting school yet and all of those things are are you would think they're crazy coincidences but just one little decision here or one decision there and so your lot in life is God ordained he is the author and finisher of your faith. So verse 2 says, Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord commanded the hands of Moses, for the nine tribes and half the half tribe. Okay? So there's actually 13 tribes. There are the 12 tribes of Israel, but they're being divided into 13 areas because Joseph's sons are splitting. They each get their own lot. So even through this, Joseph gets the double blessing. Go ahead. No, they will not get a lot. No. So. Right. And so Levi, and the reason for that, obviously, is because every tribe needed a priest available for sacrifices, and so they had to be everywhere. And they couldn't really, 
And we are a royal priesthood, and we've talked about that before. We're, we are in this world, but this world is not our lot. This is where we are ministering to. It is our lot in life, so to speak, but our permanent place is in heaven. It's in heaven. Um, for Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and half a tribe on the other side of the Jordan. But to the Levites, he had given no inheritance. So you have two and a half tribes, remember? They wanted to stay, but they went across the Jordan to fight the battles. But they were going to stay on the other side of the Jordan. They wanted to. Uh, For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. And they gave no part to the Levites in the land which the cities to dwell in, where their common lands and their livestock and their property. As the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Again, we'll talk more about this in detail next week. But um, tonight, we are going to focus on something that I had not really studied in detail before. It was kind of a fun study because it was something kind of new to me. And that is the life of Caleb. I've, I've done a lot of messages on the life of Joshua and Joseph and Isaac and all of those. Uh, but this is some pretty interesting things we're going to see with the life of Caleb. Now, Caleb was from the tribe of Judah. So Caleb is not getting his own lot. He's not one of the... There's not a tribe of Caleb. But Caleb was set apart by God within all of the men of Israel. Um, And if you... um, Let's go ahead and look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm going a little bit out of sequence here, but I, I just, in my mind, I think it sets up better this way. So Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 34. Um, we've been through Deuteronomy. If you remember, it is the second group of Israelites that are going to go into the promised land. And Moses is giving this long speech at the very precipice of before Joshua. And to remind us, in verse 34, he says, And the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath, saying, Surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good of the land which I swore to your fathers. So there is the pronouncement that they are not going to the promised land. But verse 36 says, Except Caleb, the son of Jephunah, he shall see it. And to him and his children, I'm giving the land on which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. Uh, verse 38, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go there and encourage him. So he's, he mentions Joshua and Caleb, and we're going to read a little bit of their stand for God in a minute. But we know that this is all a result of the 10 spies that went into the land and, and the eight that said we can't go and the two that said let's trust in God. So I want you to look in verse 36 of Deuteronomy 1 
And look at that idea that he wholly followed the Lord. And, and that is something that we can do. And so what I want to focus on tonight, or what the scriptures focus on tonight, is the blessings of being willing to stand alone. And that is a rare thing among human beings. All we like what? Sheep have gone astray. And it's very difficult for an individual in our country, in our world, to walk alone. We constantly are like sheep. We even have this... um, there's there's a site on the internet called Twitter and what Twitter is is you can go on Twitter and get news feeds but they have what's called trending topics and you you can see what is trending what everybody is watching and what their opinions on that are so you can make sure you're on the majority and we have seen for example politicians who will they will give a speech from 10 years ago that's totally opposite from the speech they'll give today. You'll find speeches in which some of the uh, Democrats are very pro-borders, strong with borders, until they find out that the majority is trending away from that, so they change very quickly where their stand is. And because of that, when these 10 men came back, Israel was influenced against going in because that seemed to be what was trending or what was, it's eight to two. What's that? Twelve and ten, okay. And they were trending the wrong way. And so did they follow the two? Why? What's that? We are the broad gate that leads to destruction is where everybody else goes and people there have been interviews uh, and I, with people on the street who were protesting and they have no idea what the protest is about but why are they protesting just everybody else's just everybody else's they're just you know I've seen um tests where people are signing petitions for things that they have no idea what the petition is. But if you go there with a bunch of names that are already signed, they'll sign it because we're sheep. As Christians, we cannot be sheep. We will always be in the minority. We will always be in that narrow road. We will always be um, uh, at, at unlike the sheep. Caleb is going to be blessed by God because he looked at things from God's perspective. And so he was promised that he was going to put his foot in and get what he wanted. So let's go to, to Joshua 14 because this is where he gets the land that he picks. So verse 6 says, The children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, 
that the man of God concerning you and me in Cadus Barnea. Well, this is a pretty great verse to me. And it is Joshua and Caleb. I don't know how much interaction they had since the time they went out to spy the land. I don't know if they were comrades or best friends, and but they they here they were. Joshua, not Caleb, is kind of in charge of doling out the land. And Caleb comes to him and says, Joshua, can I talk to you? Yeah, Caleb, remember when we were back in Deuteronomy? Remember the promise God made? Obviously, Joshua remembers it. And he says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Cadiz Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. So this is an interesting thing. Because he was 40 years old when he spied out the land. Um, it took them according to most scholars about two years to get to that point from the time they left Egypt so he would have left Egypt at the age of about 38 then at about 40 he would have gotten to this place of the promised land in verse 8 nevertheless and this verse is so I just there's so many great things in this nevertheless my brethren who went up with me May the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Liz is right. There was one from every tribe of Israel. So there was not ten that went in, but ten that said no. I always get that mixed up. And so they came back, and the two had the right answer. And this is Christianity for history of it. You will go to a people and you will tell them the truth. And once they're starting to be drawn in, you can just count on somebody trying to melt their heart away from God. And they'll do it through all kinds of different things. And and we, you know, it is our own children who we love. They're great. But they've had their hearts melted by philosophies and worlds and money and all kinds of different things that rob them and take them away from what we know is the truth. We know is the truth. And so as they, he says this, it's, it's such a, 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 to me the wording is so poetic. My brethren who went with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Same words from Deuteronomy. And at this point in my life, you know, we have examples of Solomon and others who in their, their, their ends of their life really fell apart. But at this point, I am really bound and determined to, to, the, to follow God till the day I die. To not waver. And I am in my mindset, um, and I'm prepared to do it alone. Not pridefully, but I I just know this is real. I know it's real. Um, if you know something to be true, you'll, you know, 
I do this little thing with the kids, and and I will uh, pick someone who's kind of a little shy, but not too shy, and I'll say, "Well, what did you have for dinner last night?" And they'll say, "I, I had dinner with a kid last week. It's a nice kid named Cassius." He says, "Oh, he went to La Maritas," and I said, "Oh, no, you didn't. There's no way you went to La Maritas." No, we did. We went to La Maritas. I, I had a burrito. I said, there's, there's no way you went to La Maritas. I don't believe you. Mr. Donegan, yes, I did. Why would I lie to you? I went to La Maritas. I said, I don't, there's no way. There's no way you went. And, I'll, and, and the, the exercise is an exercise of where we stand for the faith. I, and I, and I, I know that Jesus Christ is Lord. I know the word is true just as sure as he knows he went to La Maritas. And so when you know you went, it's like, why are we arguing? I don't understand. I know. So I can't talk him out of it. He's not going to go, well, wait, maybe I didn't go to La Maritas. He's going to know. And eventually, if he does it correctly, he's going to say, I don't care if you believe me or not. This hasn't... And so if our faith is as real as substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen, then we'll be there till the day we die. Well, nothing will shake it. And if the whole world thinks he's wrong, I know he's not. I, you know. So turn, if you will, to uh, Psalm 56. We're going to read, and I, I don't know where this chapter came from. Um, I was trying to read a lot of uh, looking up verses on standing alone and, and, and there's not a lot of just you stand alone but this is a really neat chapter we're going to read the whole chapter and it is David now David um, Psalm 56 um, and it, the, the introduction to the psalm is uh, to the chief musician set to a silent dove in distant lands, if yours has this, a mixtum of David, the Philistines captured him in Gath. And so David is certainly one that had to stand alone. So he says, Be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day he oppresses me. My enemies hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Verse 2, I think, is a pretty clear description of anyone who publicly stands for Christ in 2020. You will be hounded by the world. Stand up against homosexuality. Stand up against abortion. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? All the day they twist my words. I found familiar. All their thoughts are evil against me. They gather together. They hide. They mark my steps when they lie in wait for my life. Shall they escape by iniquity? In anger cast down the peoples, O God. 
You number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know, because God is for me. And if God is for us, in God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I'll render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? There is, uh, Spurgeon wrote that as long as you have God, you are always in the majority. Even if it's just you and God, you will always be the majority. It's really interesting that you say that, Liz, because when you when you go and do a search on, uh, you know, verses of standing alone, they just they don't have specific verses, but they all reference Daniel. That Daniel really was, and and him Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You talk about four men who were how about the fiery furnace? What did the sheep do? They all bowed down. And Daniel, yes, and and there's a there's an old little chorus called uh, "Dare to Be a Daniel." You know that song, "Dare to Be a Daniel." I think the second line is "Dare to Stand Alone," "Dare to Have a Purpose Firm," "Dare to Make It Known," or something like that. So, First um, Corinthians chapter fifteen. Verse 56. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So this verse really makes reference to Caleb. We're going to see in a second that Caleb is now 85 years old. So 38, he leaves Egypt. At the age of 40, he takes a stand for God, and God makes him a promise that he will be rewarded for his holy um, dedication to God. He's got another, he's still going to wander in the wilderness. He wanders in the wilderness for the next 38 years. And then it's another five to seven before he gets to this land as they're fighting these battles and winning these wars. So the, the people get impatient with God. You know, well, I didn't go to church, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. And I, you know, I, yeah, I know you said to start praying, but I tried praying. I tried praying. I prayed for three days and nothing happened. And they get that kind of, uh, impatience where our reward is absolutely set in heaven. It's, and it's coming. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm in no hurry. I like my life. I'm in no hurry. Uh, Second Timothy chapter four. Verse 
Do you remember, this is going to be Paul at the end of his life, talking about his solitude a little bit. Um, do you remember the, the prophet who also felt all alone? It was Elijah. And God told him, what, there's 7,000 more. But when he was standing against the prophets of Baal, Remember, there were 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of, I think, Asherah, if I pronounce that right. And uh, then there was Ahab and all the Israelites who were the sheep. And all he was trying to do is get the sheep to quit going the wrong direction. And God brought down the fire from heaven. Well, who was on his side when that happened? What person? He was all by himself. And the next day, Jezebel, you know, vowed to have him killed, and, and he kind of lost it. And he went into the wilderness and said, I'm all alone. And God said, you're not. You're just not. And so Paul has a, a not in a defeat, but if you look at um, 2 Timothy 4, verse 9, uh, he's speaking to Timothy, saying, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world and departed for Thessalonica, uh, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. So he talks about this person named Demas who was with him. But what happened? He loved this present world. Even Paul has friends, loved ones, and family that just decide, yeah, church isn't for me anymore. And they're part of the ministry. And it's heartbreaking. And Paul just knew it. He says, verse 11, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him to you, for he's useful to me for ministry. That, by the way, is a very, very important verse. Mark is John Mark from the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, in chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas and John Mark head on the very first missionary journey ever. And they go to an island called Cyprus. And in Cyprus, they meet a sorcerer. And Paul has to blind him. It's when Paul's name went from Saul to Paul. And the Bible says John Mark left after that because he got a little bit nervous. Because in Acts chapter 15, Paul goes to Barnabas and says, Hey, let's go back and visit the churches. And Barnabas says what? Let's take Mark, take John Mark with us. And Paul says, nope, not going to do it. And the Bible says the contention was so sharp between them that they went separate. Paul took Silas and went north. Barnabas takes Mark and goes to Cyprus. Well, we don't hear from Barnabas and Mark again till now, where Paul apparently... John Mark proved himself on their journey, and he calls for him to come and work with him. He's useful. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak, verse 13, that I have left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first offense, no one stood with me, 
but all forsake me, forsook me, may it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me. He strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. Preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul, we don't have the details of this, by the way, but there was people that were leaving him left and right. He was by himself. He was defending his faith. No no one stood with me. Everybody forsook me. You know, kind of the same thing where when Jesus was arrested and the disciples scattered and, and that kind of thing. And if you are, and I, talking to pastors, I, I, they rely too much, and, and I'm including myself in there, if we as pastors rely too much on the support and encouragement of the congregation, you are going to have days where you are going to feel alone. But if you are just being about your father's business and know that you are doing his will, then you can be strengthened. And that's what Paul said. Yeah, everybody forsook me, but not the Lord. He stood with me. He strengthened me so that the message might be preached. And so what's the truth about standing alone for Christ? The truth is you're not alone. You're never alone. And if you have Christ with you, it's all you need. It's absolutely all you need. And if your focus is on building a little mini empire with people following you, well, they're going to get tired of you. They're going to get bored of you. And you're going to make a mistake. And when you do, they're going to bury you. Because what people do. Uh, we see it with celebrities all the time. And when a pastor tries to be a celebrity, it is. I, I, I read a great thing from a, a pastor the, the other day. He was in a church. And he, he was, you could tell he was a little frustrated. And he says, attention, worship leaders. If you want to come and get a record contract, if, you, if you're only leading worship to get a record contract, please go somewhere else. And uh, so then one of the worship leaders wrote back, that goes for pastors too. <laughs> and there's truth. There's truth. If you just want that radio's plays or you want that TV spot or you want, it's, it's, you're going to be disappointed. But if it's just you and God, you can strengthen all the way through. So let's go back to Joshua. Um, and we'll look at verse 9. Key verse. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. All right, so numbers, Israel turned away from God. He stood strong. God knew that. And verse 10 says, And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said these 45 years since the Lord spoke that word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am on this day, 
85 years old. I don't know that he ever complained. Am I ever going to get this land? Come on, God, you promised. I didn't, you know, he didn't murmur. He didn't complain. He didn't conform to the world. And he stood on the promises of God. And so he says in verse 10, uh, verse 11, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. So he's 40-ish when he goes and spies out the land. He comes back ready to fight. Let's go get it. Don't be afraid. Oh, they're going to be we're like grasshoppers and, and Anak is in there and we can't go and we're giants. We're just, and he says, no, the Lord is on our side. Let's go get it. The majority has their heart melted by the negative tone of the other 10 and they don't go. Now, 45 years later, you would think, well, too late now. Too late now. Maybe five. I should have went and got them while I had the chance. But he says something. Ah, oh, man, I'm ready to go. Let me let me go get the land, my land now. It's time. Man, God has given me. I, I'm just as strong today. And I don't think it's old man speak. You know, I can still take these kids today. And, I don't, and they're on their cane. No, he was miraculously strengthened by God. Because when God has a promise and a plan for you, he keeps it. He keeps it. It's absolutely. It's standing on his promises. And and let me ask you this question. How much of our worry and stress would go away if we completely trusted in the promises of God we already know? Yeah, and so we struggle with that, that's for sure. And and Caleb boy, he's a the more I, I went through his details of his life, he he was a great guy. I, and I I hold certain people in the Bible are very dear to me. Um, Daniel, Liz mentioned. Um, I love Joshua. I adore Barnabas, and I've, I've through this study I've gained a real affection for Caleb. Um, some things I didn't know about him till I till this study. Um, so verse twelve. Now therefore. This is interesting. Give to me the mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord would be with me, and I will be able to drive them out as the Lord said. There's some amazing things here. Number one, he had a specific... Now, the area was determined by lot where Judah would go. He wanted his little piece of land where Judah was given. So this isn't having the whole area. This was, okay, now I, God says I get to pick my spot. That's my reward. He says, I want that spot over there where Anakim is. Well, Anakim is the very giant that in numbers was referred to when the Israelites said, Anak is there and we are like grasshoppers to them. They caused the greatest bit of fear. Caleb gets his second chance. No, I want to show people. I, 
I'll go while I'll, and I don't. By the way, I'm not asking the army of Israel to go with me. Look what he says. It's, it's incredible. He says, therefore, give me the mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. That's what they complained about. We're like grasshoppers. We can't take that city. And the, the, the statement, it may be the Lord will be with me. Is that doubt? Or I'm going to go. If God's with me, we're going to win. Maybe he'll be with me. Maybe he won't. I'm pretty sure he will be. But it's like, I'm, I, this is what I want. It is. It, it, it's, and I think it's also saying, I won't beat him by myself, but if God's with me, I'll, I'll, I'll beat him. If God doesn't want me to have this mountain, I, I won't. And then he says, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. He's not asking anybody to go with him. Yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it. He's going to get some help from his own Judaizers. But it's, it's, one of my hardest things to do is um, I get nervous with hospital visits. And I think I'm going to say the wrong thing and I don't want to offend anybody. I'm not, I don't have a hospital phobia. It's just when people are going through really hard times, I'm, I, I want to make sure that, you know, how much scripture do you give or you get two, you know, and it's, just, it's always a thing with me. And uh, so I take Liz with me because we'll, and, and then we get back in the car and she goes, I don't know why you worry about that. It's always goes fine. But I, I do and I don't go by myself and it's hard for me to just go with me and God. I need somebody with me. I need somebody by my side. Um, Caleb just, I'll go. Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. So let's stop there for just a second. What's Hebron? Well, let's go to Genesis 13. And I, I have, um, you can, I, I really like this study a lot, and I'm talking a lot tonight, so I have more details about Hebron, but but let's, let me give you the basics of it. Genesis 13. You know this place, by the way. Um, Genesis 13, verse 18. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth tree of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar to the Lord. It is a place where Abram dwelt. Now, Stay in Genesis, go to chapter 23, verse 19 and 20. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial place. If you remember, this cave of Machpelah was given to be owned by Abraham. This is very, you know, this, this isn't the promised land. It hasn't been doled out to Israelites yet, but he was given this cave. And if you remember from scriptures, Abraham was then buried in it. Isaac was buried in it. 
and Jacob's bones were brought back and was buried in it. So this is not just any random little piece of land. This is a pretty significant place. It is the place of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the very patriarchs of God. And so you talk about Caleb, you know, and by the way, very fortified with a bunch of giants there, but what a blessing to Caleb. And and the point I'm trying to make tonight is when you wholly live for God, you will be blessed. Liz and I were doing something uh, that we didn't really want to do. We did it. And uh, we shouldn't have had to do it, but we did it. And she just looks. She says, well, we'll just let's just do it. The Lord will bless us. And it's just a good comment by her. It's just true. The Lord will bless you. Um, so back to Joshua 14. We'll finish up. Verse 14, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, verse 14, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, or the Kenizzite, to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kerjas Arba. Arba was the greatest man among Anakim. Then the land was had rest from war. So that last battle, he defeated him, the giant. So in chapter 15, the first 12 verses is again this idea of the lots, dividing them. But I want you to go to chapter 15 all the way down to verse 13. So Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, um, he gave a share of the children because what happens in verse 12, God describes the exact place Judah gets. In verse 13 of chapter 15, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a share among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord, to Joshua, namely, Kerjas Arba, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, uh, Shinshai, uh, Ahimon, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Now, Anak was the guy back in Numbers that they named specifically the children that they were afraid of. They feared Anak. So now he goes and the, the, the nation of Israel feared one man. Caleb drove out three. That's what God can do. John 15, 5 or says, without God, you can do nothing. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So you have the ability to do all things through Christ or nothing. It is literally all or nothing with God. I can do anything. He can do anything. Then a really interesting thing that I did not see until um, this study. I should have probably... Uh, Verse 14, he drives him out. Verse 15, then he went up from there to the inhabitants of Debir, formerly named of Debir was Kerjas Saphir. And Caleb said, he who attacks Kerjas Saphir and takes it to him, I will give 
Aksa or Atsa, my daughter as a wife. So now Caleb is trying to be an encouragement and, and building others. And he says, anybody trust in God like we just did? You go take this land. You can have my daughter for a wife because I want my daughter to marry a man of faith. And so a guy goes, and his name is Othniel. So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb. So Caleb's brother says, I'll do it. He took it and gave it and gave him Achsa, his daughter, as his wife. Now, have you um, ever heard of Othniel? If you want to read about Othniel, he was a judge in chapter 3. Now, in Judges 3, 7 through 11, if you know the book of Judges, and I'm looking forward to getting there, it's a really good book, but the judges were like uh, Samson was a judge, Ehud, others, Deborah, even the female, they're, they're, that's sounding terrible, even the female. <laughs> but what would happen is Israel would uh, turn away from God and worship idols. And so God would take Israel and put them under a horrific king uh, who would um, hold them as slaves for years and years until Israel finally cried out to God. And then God would raise up a judge, and that judge would defeat the wicked king, and they would restore uh, revival to Israel, and they would live for God until that judge died. And then the whole cycle would go over again. And so in Judges 3, Othniel is one that God uses to return Israel back. And they served God all the days that he was a judge. And he was the brother of Caleb and married the daughter of Caleb. So he married his niece. Now it was in verse 18, she came to him that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. So she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? She answered, Give me a blessing. Since you've given me land in the south, give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Judah, according to the family. So as chapter 15 just goes through all of these tribes, this is the inheritance, this is the inheritance, God stops to give us a little more detail on Caleb that his faith and standing alone had a great influence on his daughter and on his uh, brother. And they were able not only to get this land with a little spring in it, but Othniel would be used later by God uh, to rescue and deliver Israel. Um, so there are great blessings to standing alone, and yet you're never alone. You're never alone. And you have to, you know, one of the things that it says about Daniel, and I'm glad Liz brought him up, was it says that Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. And that was the same with Caleb. Uh, you know, the whole nation got melted hearts, but no, I'm not, I'm going to be wholly committed to the Lord. This is a good lesson for us because we in this room, I know you are wholly committed to the Lord. The key is to never stop, to continue it till the day God calls you home or the day God returns. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Caleb. He truly is a much uh, a greater example of faith than, than I had originally seen.
I knew most of these things, but just never really meditate on it, his life. And so, Lord, help us to be in the same heart and mindset as Caleb. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.